there is a generational divide in this country. If you were born before 1980, you probably own, or at least you could own, a house while those born following 1980 are probably convinced that it is a dream by a bygone generation. We will analyze this and break down just how the government is manipulating financial, immigration, and regulatory law to make sure that moving forward, Americans are not allowed to own the home they live in. Welcome to the 24th episode of the Magnifying Glass podcast. I am your host, Elena Moore, and with me today is my co-host, the American Stoic. Immigration, central planning of the economy, inflation, interest rates, and many other factors have led to the reality of young adults in America or Europe today being unable to afford houses. While a lot of older generations don't realize just how bad it is, this is a crisis that is completely by design. The motto, you will own nothing and you will be happy, was not just a slogan of the World Economic Forum. It was a blueprint for how globalists will subject the once great people and nation of America. People who do not need the government are free to do what they will, and thus will not choose to follow the government if it goes against their intuition, morals, or conscience. However, People who rely on the government would not dare look at the gift horse in the mouth, so to speak. This basic tenet of human psychology is the crux of their efforts to turn a once-free nation into a land of serfs and slaves. It's tough because you have, as you said, the generational divide here is real. And so trying to find a way to communicate this reality whether it's for elections or just for some level of common understanding between you know people of different ages that you kind of need in order to tackle this problem um, appropriately and effectively, mm-hmm. it's difficult because you kind of have the, the one reaction on one side of the young people is, you know, the, you don't understand this, you're old, you're rich, whatever. Right. <clears throat> and so they kind of just like write off everybody older and then everybody older is just like, okay, well... You know, you're not working hard enough or you're wasting money on Starbucks for $10 a drink, whatever. And so they write them off. And so there's just like no discourse happening between the two groups affected by this. But at the same time, by and large, obviously, you know, there are a larger number of people that are younger, that are extremely left. But there are obviously, and a growing number or so of, of them, uh, people who are younger, particularly males, that are right-leaning and young and are faced with this problem of how could they possibly go out and buy a house whenever the interest rates, uh, the housing costs are all going up, the wages are staying, you know, basically for the, for this, at the same level they've been at for the last 40 years. And so it's a, it's a real problem. <clears throat> but again, as, as you said, it's not something that's, it's not just a, a natural byproduct. It's something that's been deliberately constructed and there's been a there's obviously a lot of different factors to it but again for the sake of brevity we're gonna have to skip over some of the more important information because we could spend hours on it and still not oh yeah and still not cover it all so the main you could almost call it a therapy session yeah but if you're charging by the hour you would break the bank so the goal of this episode is really just to give like a it's really like a, a starter course or an introduction into some of the most malevolent factors that the World Economic Forum or the United States government or the EU and Brussels have used to put their people in a 
disadvantageous position um, whenever it comes to setting themselves up for their financial future. And obviously the first one that everybody knows about is an ever-increasing tax burden to fund things, particularly in the United States. If you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to fund the war in Ukraine, you're going to have to fund Gaza. And we're going to do all of that while not protecting our own border. And so that kind of surfs into the, the second point, which is uncontrolled migration. Obviously, you have tens of millions of people in the United States that are here illegally. And despite the talking points that you're going to hear from AOC or some of the other members of the squad on the floor of the House, they're not here by and large because they are providing an economic boost to this country. Now, that may come as a surprise to some people because it's been uttered and repeated by every pundit on cable news for the last 60 years that migrants are just, you know, the foundation of the U.S. economy. That is not the case. You look at the people in, in New York City. There's so many street interviews now where people are going up and asking them, whether it's at the southern border, whenever they come in, or in Chicago or L.A. or New York, once they get redistributed around the country, and they're asked, well, how long have you been staying here? Well, I've been living in this hotel for seven months. Never had to pay anything. Everything's given to me. Three meals a day, room service, etc. And they never have to pay anything. They don't work a job. A video went viral yesterday on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, where a Venezuelan migrant, a, a guy, this is not just a, a female, a, a guy was saying that because he had a kid, as soon as he got here, she basically is his breadwinner. That's what he called his six-month-old child. It was his breadwinner. And so this is not uh, people that are coming here and, and helping the economy. These are a drain on the economy. And so now you have bumped up tax burden to, to pay for them. And now you also have an increase in the demand for housing in these countries. Obviously, we've seen stories all across, particularly in the Northeast, where veterans have been kicked out of their halfway houses or whatever to make room for migrants. And so you have this never-ending problem as you just continue to allow more and more migrants into the country, where you're going to have the number of houses stay the same, but the, there's more and more people getting here and they can't contribute and so the government is funding it all. <clears throat> and this is happening again with on the other side of the supply and demand relationship with, with where is the demand or the supply going? A lot of it is being right. bought up by institutional banks or groups that are basically hedge funds where they control money. And there have been some really amazing stories. I know you were talking about in Texas there was a whole neighborhood that was bought. Is that correct? That is exactly what has been happening. You may have heard of the company called BlackRock. And if you don't, then their plan's actually working. But they're one of the largest corporations that is currently buying up every single family house that they can find, paying 20 to 50% above asking price and outbidding normal home buyers, which is impressive. When we, you are paying the size of inflation that is currently going on, the housing market has been a gigantic bubble for multiple years now. But why are these corporation pension funds and property investments groups buying these houses? Well, they're entire neighborhoods from the middle class. It's not like this is more of the one percenters or the poor areas. This is your normal suburban middle class areas. Homes are popping up all over Texas, going on contract within a few hours. 
BlackRock, among others, are buying up thousands of new homes and entire neighborhoods. So what it really is BlackRock? If you don't know, it's the world's largest asset manager and leading proponent of the Great Reset. Remember all those leading politicians like Biden and Netanyahu saying they are going to build back better? Well, BlackRock is one of the biggest ones pushing those initiatives. Actually, I would probably say the biggest one doing it. They're looking to redistribute keyword, using $120 trillion to do so. The entire wealth of the world's middle class and poor combined this number several times over. Again, that's $120 trillion that they plan to redistribute. That's insane. 124 new homes, new home neighborhood was bought in its entirety in Texas like you were mentioning it earlier. The average American was outbidded to a tune of $32 million. $32 million. I guess it, it makes sense that you would have a disproportionate amount of purchasing power when, when you're actually controlling those tens of trillions of dollars. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not surprising that they're as impactful as they are whenever it comes to pushing things like, you know, the Great Reset and you'll own nothing and, and you'll be happy. And and a lot of people don't realize that you have the government that's facilitating a large part of this. You have the government that is making sure, cracking down on people, obviously trying to add 87,000 IRS agents as we saw over the last 12 months that the Biden administration was trying to do. And, and about the same time, would never dream about sending 87,000 people to close the border. They'd never dream of doing that. And since August, you've had more encounters at the southern border than you have natural births in the United States. And so the, the population and the demographic numbers are being flipped on their head right now in the United States and in Europe, by the way, and in Europe. The, the Frontex, which is basically the Customs and Border Patrol for the EU, uh, they have a risk analysis for 2023. And they found that of all of their encounters at land and sea ports of entry, 86% of all of the people that they encountered were were men. Eight percent were women, and six percent were uh, it wasn't recorded. Ten percent of them were children. Okay, and and again, you look at these videos from Eagle Pass. These are not families that are coming here. You're not women and children fleeing a war-torn country. It is by and large military-aged males that are coming here, not able to contribute to the economy. They then live off taxpayer dollars. They are then given, obviously, you know, housing, taking care of um, food whatever they need, right, is given to them by the government. The houses that these immigrants are being given, who are they owned by? It's the government. What would they normally have been? Probably single-family rentals. And that's what we're seeing when BlackRock is buying up all of these areas. They're turning them into single-family rentals. If you compare the price of the housing market right now and compare it to rental prices, rentals don't usually do anything but go up. The housing market goes back and forth, but BlackRock is so willing to pop out as much money as humanly possible to make sure that they buy up all of the land and all of the different houses out there, and then they're going to sell it back by making Americans and young families pay an exorbitant amount of rent in order to be able to live there while you have immigrants living in the same places right. for free. And, and that's kind of the point. If that neighborhood in Texas, right? If that, if those were all bought by individual right. families who were looking to buy their first home or their next home or whatever, the government would not have any leverage in order to put 
migrants, hypothetically, into that neighborhood. Now, if all of them are owned by one individual entity and they're going to rent them anyway, and the United States government comes mm-hmm. in and says, hey, we're going to give you, an, you know, they, they pay 50% over market price for the houses. So the government will come in and say, well, we'll also pay 50% over the average rental price of the area. And you can just rent us this entire neighborhood, and then we can use all of those houses to house migrants. And you're exactly right. That's exactly what is happening. But the leverage is taken away if people, individual families, individuals are allowed to buy those homes. And so, again, that's right. that's exactly what my point was getting to, was it's this incestuous relationship between the government and these private equity firms that are able... And it's only really through this combination because if the United States government was going to go in and try and buy all of these homes, everybody would be talking about it, right? But if, you know, it's an asset management firm, yada, 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 who cares? Kind of gets swept on. Yeah, I wonder who owns the government. Well, okay. They're trying to keep this brief, remember? (laughs) Okay, right. Um, And so you're exactly right that it's, it's that relationship between the federal government and sometimes state governments, if you look in places like California, New York, and Illinois, and these mm-hmm. private equity firms that allow this cooperation to happen, the end goal of which is really just to screw over the American citizen and the American taxpayer. And that, that, that's the end result. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining us today on the Magnifying Glass podcast. We delve deep, bringing the overlooked into focus and covering the stories that matter to you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share, subscribe, and rate, and let us know what you would like us to shine even more discoveries on. I'm your host, Elena Moore, and remember, sometimes the smallest details make the biggest difference. Until next time, keep looking closer.